Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. There's a few familiar faces that I got to meet a few weeks ago, and I'm excited to see you again, and some of people, and then there's a whole bunch of faces I have not seen before. Um, my name is Kathy Spaulding. Um, my husband, Ray, is here. My kids are, um, I have uh, I have lots of kids. Anyway, <laughs> my two youngest who still live at home are serving at the Kalamazoo campus today. So... Um, and I just wanted to tag along what um, Mark had said about, you know, we asked all the women to stand up because, oh, is that feedback somewhere? No? Just me. Okay. Sorry. Um, be, because women, um, even without physically being a mother, you do mother other women. And I have been, I have experienced being mothered by someone who was 20 years younger than me teaching me and pouring into me, and that was a very um, powerful thing. And I have mothered people who I didn't biologically birth. I have poured into their lives. And so there's a call on every woman to, you have been equipped with God's heart, his mothering heart for other people, whether they be uh, sons or daughters, that we carry that mothering heart. And so New Day really treasures mothers. And for a while, we gave away roses, which were really nice. And then somebody thought it would be a good idea, and I'm so grateful for whoever thought of it, um, said that instead of the flower, which is very nice, we would give away chocolate bars to every lady. And so as you leave today, there's a little table out there, and all the ladies are invited to take a chocolate bar. And so um, we just want to say, hey, good job, and keep going, and it's amazing. So um, so anyway, um, I'm here today to talk about um, a presence-based church. And I know last week Dan Slade was here, and he talked really about God's kingdom and that it's all about the king and the kingdom and how um, we need to be kingdom-minded. And even though I wasn't here, I did listen to some of what he was teaching. And so he set me up really well for what I, I um, feel like the Lord would like to share this morning. So this series we're going to talk about um, in the next couple of weeks, although you're getting Fred Wright next week, so I'm not sure what he's going to talk about. But the week after that, um, Mary Lee will be sharing on presence-based church as well. So I am talking about encountering God's presence. And um, so what, what we really are focusing on is on Sunday morning, what I'm focusing on is on Sunday morning when you show up to church, um, what does that mean to be a presence-based church? And when um, Pastor Cameron told us about what he was, he wanted, what the vision was for this series, I was like, Okay, so you got anything else? <laughs> and um, I, I didn't immediately have a good outline or anything. I was I was praying about it, and and um, if you've heard me before, you know that I always like to look up definitions. So um, God gave me the title. He said, "Encounter God's presence." I'm like, "That's great. That's a great title, God." Where do I go from there? He says, "Well, you look it up." So I did. And the first thing I um, um, read was to encounter. And uh, the definition of encounter uh, caught me off guard because <laughs> it's kind of funny when I explain what the definition is. Um, the, what, there's two definitions I'd like to share with you. One is um, to meet face-to-face 
particularly unexpectedly. I was like, oh, that you would meet somebody, but you didn't expect to. Um, That's what actually one of the definitions of encounter is. And the other is a meeting, specifically a sudden or accidental meeting of two or more people. And I was like, oh. So that encounter actually has a... uh, a ring of unknown to it, like you you didn't know what was going to happen or you hadn't really expected it. And um, and then I, I didn't figure I needed to explain God because we did just got done with the Nicene Creed, so I left that one alone. But the um, the the other word was presence. And when defining presence, um, there's three definitions I want to sh- share, and one being in the company of or near, or face-to-face with another. Okay, so a one-on-one. A second definition was to approach face-to-face a person, a great person or superior. So this is somebody who has authority. And then the third was a number of people assembled before a great person. So um, there's three different connotations of being in the presence. And so you can be in the presence of somebody. When my husband and I are, you know, together and we're out on a date, we're in each other's presence, you know. Um, When I walk into my boss's office, I'm also in her presence. But when we come together, we want to be in God's presence. You know, we want him here. So, um, So then after he gave me the title, he said, okay, well, let's go from here. I'm like, great, where are we going? <laughs> and there are lots of places in the Bible that talk about encountering God. But the one that stood out to me as I was praying was um, of Moses. And in Exodus 3-2, it starts and it says, and I don't have a PowerPoint, and that <laughs> so you're going to either turn with me or you can just listen. So Exodus 3-2 Starts out and it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look. So God was kind of hanging, waiting, and Moses went, Okay, I'm going to check this out, you know. That's good. God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid. Now, um... That encounter was a sudden and unexpected one, and he was in the presence of God. And I also had an encounter that I felt very much like Moses did. Um, My background was I grew up in a liturgical church, and so I knew um, enough of the Bible to feel guilty a lot. And um, I, I... I didn't follow the Lord. Um, I got saved, and I knew Jesus. And um, he was a friend, and he was my Savior, and that was a really good thing. And it was a couple of years um, after attending what was the original church, 
um, they had a, at, the, at that time, um, we have to go back quite a few years, <laughs> more than I like to admit, and at that time we had, um, sometimes we had this thing called presbytery, and that would be where a well-known, respected person who heard from the Lord, a prophet, would come to your church and, and you know, uh, give a word of encouragement to people. And I had only heard about that. I had never experienced that. But at this church, um, I was, I had been, uh, I had come to the church with new people, um, and they put us in small groups. So everybody who was new was in a small group together. So I knew some of these people, and a couple of years in, there was a marriage retreat. And so we were going to go on this marriage retreat, and they invited, uh, Steve and Rita Fidel, who were prophets at that time, to come and lead our marriage retreat. So they came to the marriage retreat, and at that time I was married to, um, my first husband, his name is John, and we went up to this marriage retreat, and there were several of the couples who had joined the church at the same time. So none of us had experienced presbytery or hearing a prophet or anything like that, and we'd never met Stephen Rita Fidel. So we're there, and um, we go through the first session. We have worship, and he does this teaching, and, and then... Um, and I can't remember the logistics. We were there for the weekend, but it was pretty early on in the weekend. Um, Steve and Rita Fidel, or Steve, you know, says to whatever couple, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, why don't you come up here for a second? So he brings them up, and he starts praying. And he starts giving a prophetic word. And it is, wow. I mean, I know these people. And I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think this guy knew him knew them, but he's speaking things that I'm like, how does he know this stuff? Like, how, how does he, like, now remember, liturgical background, not very new, you know, not, not knowing much about the Lord, and here's this guy speaking, and I'm like, and I'm sitting in the back room going, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome, but, you know, the pastor probably told him all about the people here, so he probably, you know, got a inside, yeah, I was just, I just didn't believe it was really God. And then, and then he did something else. He, so they sat down and then he called up another couple. And that one was like, wow, he, he did it again. And like, could he really know that much about every person here? And, and then he called another couple up and then another couple up. And all of a sudden he took, he called up a couple that were new to the church just like I was. So I knew that there's no way that this guy knew anything about them. And the word that he delivered, I, suddenly realized God was here. Like, the God that I knew I was supposed to be guilty in front of that was going to just put the hammer down on me, he was in the room. Because there's no way that this man, Steve Fidel, could know all this stuff that God knew. Well, if God knows, and then I had the realization that God knows everything. Like, God, God doesn't know me just on Sunday morning when I'm being good. He knows me the rest of the week when I'm not so nice. He knows everything about me. And I started to shake. And I was like, now, years later, I realized I was probably having a panic attack. (laughs) I was sitting in the back of the room, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What is he going to say? Like, And then I had the realization that this guy's going to say something to every single couple in this room. Like, I'm going to have to go up there. And now I started freaking out. And I'm like, I don't want to go up there. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, 
there's only 20 couples here. How do I get out of this room? Because <laughs> the door was over there. And, 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 I, and I'm thinking, okay, what's he going to say? Oh, my gosh, what if he says, oh, there's that thing, and there's this other thing that I meant to, you know, I was going to get better at this, and, and I still don't read my Bible, and I still don't do this thing, and then there's this other thing, and I, like, freaking out. I mean, I don't, I'm, I didn't move, but I'm shaking, and then he says, John and his wife, and I'm like, and then I started, I was sobbing. I was walking, I literally walked, and I'm just like, I was a wreck. I really was a wreck. I was terrified. God, who made everything, everybody knew everything, was going to talk to me. What was he going to say? I was terrified. And I got up there, and at first, Steve was just talking to to John, and I thought, oh, good, maybe he won't say anything about me. Maybe he won't say anything about me. And then, you know, God is a gentleman. He is kind and he's loving and he didn't he didn't air my dirty laundry in front of anybody as a matter of fact all the things that he said were loving and kind and he said things about me and he said i created you the way you are i made you to be loud and obnoxious sometimes i i called you to and and i want to do this with you and he spoke things about my future and i stood there and i thought oh my gosh i've encountered god and he loves me and it changed me i had that encounter and it made a difference in me now i'd like to go back to the bible and talk a little bit more about moses because um <laughs> I I was I was uh, preparing and I, I was like, oh yeah, Moses was obedient. And I shared that with somebody and they said, mm, you know, he kind of did that thing where he told God, no, really, I'm not going to go, and and really, you know, that whole thing leading your people, yeah, I really don't like them anymore, and and really, you know, you told me to speak to the rock, well, I'm just going to go ahead and hit it, you know. So, eh. but the the fact is, he was obedient, and when he built. God said to him, I want you to build me a tent of meeting or a tabernacle, a place where I can be with you, that I, my presence can be with you. And I want you to build it, but I want you to build it the way I say. And in Exodus 40, it talks about he wants a building this big or a tent this big and this wide, and he wants a room here, and he wants a stand here and a lamp there, and he wants an altar that looks like this. And in and, and, and Exodus 40, 16, um, it says, And thus Moses did everything the Lord commanded him to do. He did everything the way he, that God told him to do it, and he did it right. And in Exodus 40, 34, they dedicate that the tent is all done. He, he, Moses puts the last thing in. It's done. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter it because the cloud had settled down over it. And the glory of the Lord filled it. And now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise... They remained where they were until it lifted. And this continued throughout all their journeys. And so there was something about being obedient to what God said and then following him. When he said stay, they stayed. When he said let's go, they went. And then 
And then in uh, Second Chronicles, we, we come to a place where, and this is interesting because um, I just, you're going to get something that Kalamazoo didn't get. Um, I was reading yesterday, sorry, <laughs> that wasn't very nice, was it? Well, I hope nobody listens to this, but um, anyway, in, in 2 Samuel, I was reading um, just about David. You know, David got to Jerusalem, and he built his palace, and, and then he said, you know what, God, I don't want you, like, hanging out in a tent anymore. I want to build you a place. And, you know, God says to him something very interesting. He said, um, he said in Second uh, Samuel um, 7, 5, said, do you really intend to build me a house to live in? Um, I have not lived in a house from the time I brought the Israelites from Egypt to the present day. Instead, I was traveling with them. And that just struck me yesterday that, you know, God was with them wherever they went. That's what he wanted to do was be with them. Now, David, David's heart wasn't wrong in that he wanted to build him a permanent home. It wasn't like that. But, um, but it goes on to say, and this is the part that, that really jumped out at me, was that later in, the, in 2 Samuel, um, the Lord d- declares to him that you're not going to build it, but your son is. And then he says that I'm going to build a permanent, um, a dynasty that will last forever through your uh, son. Um, but really that, that son had a double meaning because it meant Solomon was going to build a temple but it also meant Jesus was going to build a permanent forever temple that that we would we would um host that and um so anyway back to the scriptures um second chronicles uh, 5:13 so Solomon does exactly what Moses did and God gave him the outline of the tabernacle he said or the te- I'm sorry the temple and so he said, I want it built this big and this tall, and this is what I want you to put in there, and I want the, these materials used. I want, you know, specific things done. And he gets all done, and it's, it's ready. And the trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments, they raise their voices and praise the Lord with the, these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever experienced anything like that, but I, but I have. And there have been um, people... New Day, who have also experienced that kind of his his presence filling the room, and you can't even continue. And um, my first um, uh, my first encounter was uh, um, at a place called Fresh Wind, which was actually the um, Toronto Church used to be called Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, and there was a season or time where churches. Um, I don't know how much you know about church um, history, but, but you know, throughout the period of church history, there have been different times where revival has hit. And I don't know when that happened. 90, it's like 22 years ago. So this revival hit in Toronto. So they're just having regular worship service, and all of a sudden, boom, they have revival breakout. 
and they go to daily services because the presence of the Lord was there and it filled the house. People started flocking there from other countries. They started holding nightly meetings for years, years. They had, and they were filling the place. And so they had this youth conference and our, our church, New Day, um, the leadership went, checked it out to say, what's going on up there? Is this something we want in on? And it was good. What it was was not a person. It wasn't the pastor up there was fabulous, and he was, but it wasn't about him. It wasn't that the worship leaders were whatever, and they were. It was that God was there, and people walked in the door, encountered him, and walked away different. And there are testimonies. You can go on. You can look it up. You can look up um, the Toronto Blessing, and actually the... the um, the pastors there said, really, it's the Father's blessing. It isn't anything about Toronto. It was all about God. And um, so anyway, we so the, the, our youth group was going to go there, and they were looking for chaperones. Well, I wanted to know what was going on. So I volunteered to chaperone these kids. And I took a one-year-old baby with me, and we went up to Toronto. And I will say that there is something about, and it doesn't matter, if you have never been to a conference, you need to go to a conference because – we went, uh, you know, if you go to a conference and you get praise and worship and you get word Thursday night and you get up in the morning and Friday morning you have praise and worship and, and you have a word on Friday morning and then you go back and you, you do some kind of workshops on Friday afternoon and then you're back in God's presence on Friday night. There's something about giving that time, you know, so many times in a row that you are are just receptive to whatever God's doing. And the first night people were were doing crazy stuff. I mean, these, but they were kids. So I was like, yeah, but they're kids, you know. They were all ages, but they were dancing and singing and crying and laying on the floor laughing. And, and it was, you know, and I was, I was holding a baby going, well, it's kind of different. I, I mean, I'd like that, but are they just mustering this up, you know? Like, are they just trying to do that? And on, um, Friday morning, once again, I'm seeing people falling down, being slain in the spirit, and I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of interesting. And and the more I see it, the more I wanted it. The more I was like, wait a second, God, I want to know. Whatever that is, I, I want to know what that is. And on Friday night, um, they they had a nursery for only a couple, of, or I think they had like a nursery for three hours, and then they said you got to pick up your kids because the presence of the Lord filled the place, and they stuck around for four or five hours, maybe six. I mean, they were there for a long time, and um, I was there, and I was standing there, and worshiping, and I could feel God's presence in the room like a weight, and it just covered me. You know, if you've ever walked outside into a fog. You can feel it, you know, it's like a tangible feeling. That's what it felt like. And all of a sudden, I was doing this weird thing where I was kind of like, wow, yes, God, I want that, I want that. And and the thing is, I want to clarify, you can say to God, no. He's not going to do anything to you that you do not want. He will not do that. He is a gentleman. But I was like, you know what, even if I look foolish, no matter what, I... I just want whatever you've got for me. I want to know you more. I want something more. And I just, I did this for about 48 hours. I just, I mean, I did sleep. But, I mean, it, it looked weird. I, I'm, I'll be honest. It looked weird. And it wasn't the manifestation 
that was the point. It was what he was doing inside. He was telling me, this is who he is. He loves me. And I was saying, yes, whatever you want, God, yes, I want more of you. So then, um, so that's great that we have Old Testament uh, pictures, but in Acts, it comes right into the New Testament. And in Acts 2.1, it talks about the day of Pentecost. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, remember, we need to back up a little bit and say, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, end with Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's meeting with the disciples. It doesn't mean that the Pharisees and Sadducees are just happy with, okay, Jesus is dead, we're done with this. They want to squash that craziness that people are talking about Jesus as if he was somebody important. So um, in Acts, in the beginning of Acts, in Acts 1, Jesus goes up to a mountain and says, all right, now you guys go and make disciples of all men. And he goes up and rises into the clouds, okay? And that's the end of Jesus. And so all the disciples go, okay, let's go back to the room. So they go back to Jerusalem. They don't go out yet. They go back to the, the room and they're hanging out and they're praying. And um, so they're all together in one place. They're praying. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them. And that is amazing. But that was Pentecost, right? So that was that was, I mean, that was, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, and that's what you're going to get. And so he sends a helper, so we're done, right? Not so much. So uh, Peter and John go, hey, let's go to the temple. He said, wait for, you know, our helper. We got him. Let's go. And they're going to go out and start boldly preaching. So they go to the temple. There's a guy there who's crippled, and they say, we don't have any money, but how about you can walk? And they see him healed. Okay, Pharisee Sadducees not so happy about this, so they drag him in and say, you know, we don't want you doing that anymore. And with boldness, Peter and John go, you know what, we're going to do what God tells us to do. Okay, you threw us in jail, that's great, but we're still going to preach. We have to, we don't have a choice, we got to do what God's telling us to do. And the religious leaders are like, well, we really don't want to start a riot, so... Okay, well, don't do it anymore and go away. And Peter and John are like, cool. So they go back with other believers and they're like, guess what? This boldness and we saw a miracle and, and they can't do anything. I mean, what are they going to do? This is Jesus. We're going to, we're going to preach his news. And so in Acts 4.31, it says, after they prayed, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, wait a second. People were already filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means there's a whole bunch more people who weren't filled. Okay? So there's a whole bunch more people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, what did they do? Once they got filled, then they, all of them, preached the word of God with boldness. And they also, all of the believers were united in heart and mind. And then... You know, that, that is a key. That they got, they experienced, they had an encounter with God in the way of the Holy Spirit. They encountered Him 
And now they were filled with boldness. And they went out and preached. And they were united. They, that church, those believers were united. And, you know, it's interesting. As I was, as I was preparing, I, I realized that, you know, um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they both were filled, but the places that were filled were different. In the Old Testament, the tent and the temple was filled. But in the New Testament, the people were filled. You know, because we're his temple. We're hosting him. He wants to fill us with his presence. And, and this dramatically changed them so that they could go out with boldness. I mean, Peter and John are so bold that they're going, okay, what you gonna do? I'm still gonna say this. I'm still gonna preach this. Now, not too long before that, they were hiding. Okay? I mean, there was something about encountering God that gave them that boldness. And, um, and, and it also shows me that after they experienced that, they went out with boldness and they weren't, uh, the encounters were not so unexpected anymore. They started to expect God to show up. They expected him to be where they went, to show up in the things that they were doing. So, what's that got to do with church? Well, I'll tell you. I was reading in um, our daily bread. It's a daily devotional. And it said, um, those who walk with Christ bring the presence of God to everyone around them. This is the condition for our for healing and power in the church. We need to start practicing the presence of God in our churches. And and so new day this is our vision is that our church would be a place where you would experience healing and power that you would experience God's presence. And the how we do that is in a few ways. One of them is in worship. Now, when you have um, your worship leaders, and I'm, I'm assuming Luke and Jamie and Mark, and if I'm missing anybody, I'm really sorry. Those are the ones I've seen. But when they pray ahead of time, they pick songs and they ask God, you know, God, we don't want to just pick the songs that we like best or our favorites. We want to do the ones that you want us to do. Just like Moses, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to build this? We want to pick the right ones for this day. And, and I can tell you, on days where I have been going to teach something, the song service leads right into my teaching. You know, that isn't, it isn't because I get together with the worship leaders, because honest to goodness, I don't. You know, we don't talk about it ahead of time. I talk to God, and they talk to God, and he directs them. And, and while we're worshiping, the worship leaders go, okay, are we going to sing this song five times? Or one time? Or are we going to just sing two songs today? Or are we going to sing our whole song set? They wait up here. You know, you'll see a worship leader who's just kind of, we're waiting, and we're waiting on God to say, should we move forward? Or do we wait right here? Do we want, do we want, is there something else going to be said? You know, maybe somebody comes up with a word, and that also tandems with what's being said that day. Okay? The pastoral staff, you know, we pray and ask God, what's your word? I mean, I, I, it's very, it's very interesting because, you know, 
Cameron prays and says, okay, this is where I feel like God is taking us this year. We want to do the Nicene Creed. God says that's important for us. But then each of us come and say, okay, I, I, and I have done this. I've gone, oh yeah, I'll take that topic. I'm going to, I'm going to preach that one. And then I start to write down my outline and God says, that's a really good outline. How about we do my outline? Oh. Okay, yeah, let's let's do yours. Because really, his is the one that you're going to hear. His is the one that's meant for you to, to receive. Um, we also have, you know, Rama and prayer team. And those also, you know, feed into asking God, what do you want us to pray for these people? You might come up with a prayer request, you know, but they're praying and going, okay, God, what would you say to this person? A Rama team, the same thing. We're asking God, what does he have to say to you? And the same thing can be said for the greeters and the children's ministry, praying beforehand and saying, God, what would you have us do today? We want whoever comes through that door to experience you. It's not about me. I mean, I'd love to say that all of you were here because you knew that I was going to be here. But I know that there's somebody here who actually really likes to hear me. Didn't know I was here, and he's still here. He's here because he wants to experience God. You know, I have experienced, I only shared with you um, my experience through a prophetic word and through worship. But I have been, I have been affected by God. Have you ever read the word um, or heard the word that was preached and you knew that that person was preaching to you and you alone, everybody else could go home. That's God speaking to you. He wants to encounter you. You know, um, and, and so, I, you know, you can, you can experience him through worship, through the rhema word, through teaching, through the prayer. Um, and and um, in that same daily, same daily bread, I read, so what would a church have to do to display the presence of God. Its people would have to live like him. And it goes on. Dynamics like hospitality, the loving acceptance of people, a quickness to serve, a tangible love for one another that makes people feel safe, and a patient tolerance of one another's weaknesses would all be a great way to start. You know, I don't know what your experience from church has been, but I know the heart of the leadership at New Day, and that is our heart. Our heart is that we would accept all people, regardless of where you're at. We would want to quickly serve, be willing servants, that we would help you to know God's love and help you feel safe, that you could share and that we would be tolerant of one another as you grow. That I know, I tell you, I've, I've been at this church for 20-some years. And Pastor Cameron has been patient with me as I, <laughs> I was a mess. I was a bona fide mess. My life was wow crazy, wow crazy. And he was patient and loved me. And brought me to this place where I can stand before you and, and say, it's not about me. It's about what God's done in me. You know, it's about experience His presence. And so, 
I want to encourage you that I'm telling you this is what New Day wants. We want you to experience him. We want you to know the manifest presence of God, whether it be during worship or during the word or, or during rhema or prayer. But the reason we want that is so that you can take him with you, that you can go out with boldness, that you can make an effect in this world. We didn't come here just to, you know, be each other's friends, which is great. But we're supposed to go make disciples of all friends, you know, of all people. We need to take him out of this building, and he goes out through us when we take him with us. And so, you know, I'm telling you, this is what our part is. The leadership, the worship team, the children's ministry, whoever is a member, your, you know, willingness to serve. But then what can you do? What can you do? Well, I've got three things that I would like you to start doing when you, you, when you come to church and, and when you come to New Day in the morning, that you would come and you would expect to encounter God. Because there is something about expectation that allows him to come. If you come thinking he's not going to be here, maybe you won't experience him. Maybe you will. But if you come expecting and you keep coming expecting, it will happen. Just like that sun I talked about. You know, eventually you're going to see the sunrise. The clouds will go away and you will see it. So come expecting. But also be open to hearing him however it comes. If it's during worship and you're not really a worship kind of person, I, I just say, you know, give it your best shot. Close your eyes. If you're distracted, close your eyes. I close my eyes all the time. I get distracted. I, wasn't ADD, but I swear sometimes I think I might be. I have to close my eyes and go, okay, God, I want to just focus on you. Go to some place where, where I, I know that I've experienced you. And then the third thing I would ask you to do is that you would take him with you when you leave. That you don't leave him here. That you take him with you and that you share him in your home and at your workplace and at your grocery store and with your extended family. That that's what, you know, we have a responsibility, but so do you. And uh, 